You are listening to the Compliance Conversations podcast by Healthicity. If you work in the healthcare industry, you know how crucial compliance is to your bottom line, your reputation, and the success of your organization as a whole. If this is your first time listening, welcome. A transcript of every Compliance Conversations episode can be found at www.healthicity.com resources, along with a ton of other thought leadership materials. You can add us to your RSS feed and iTunes, or follow us on Twitter and Facebook. Now, let's get on with the show. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Compliance Conversations. I'm CJ Wolf with Healthicity, and this is where we talk about compliance. You all know that. If you're if you're subscribed, if you're not subscribed, please do so. Hit the like button. Uh, that helps us generate some some more interest in, in this um, podcast and, and other uh services and, and education we're offering. Today, I'm so excited. Our guest is Isabel Garibaldi. Welcome, Isabel. Hello. We're so excited to have you. And I'm so excited for our guests to hear from you because, um, and I'll kind of preface this a little bit. A lot of times our guests, you know, are uh, full-time compliance professionals. Uh, Isabel is a, is a clinical uh, executive and has a lot of experience and, and we'll let her introduce herself, but we're, we're going to talk about uh, that perspective. Um, you know, these, the individuals who make the systems run and take care of patients and, and their perspectives of compliance. So uh, Isabel, we give our guests an opportunity to tell us a little bit about themselves. And we'd love to hear a little bit about your professional life and kind of your journey and uh, where you've been and, and where you are today. Sure. Thanks. Um, well, this will tell you just how much a, of a uh, not compliance uh, officer I am, <laughs> because yeah. it's truly a, a, a clinical background that I have. I've been a nurse for um, 40 years. This year has been 40 wow. years. Yeah, I started young. <laughs> um, <laughs> I hold a doctorate in nursing practice. I started out as a bedside nurse in the area of cardiovascular medicine and started my leadership journey back in the late 90s, early 2000s, and okay. have been a chief nursing officer, chief nurse executive, vice president of patient care services in one capacity or another in about four organizations now, uh, both okay. not-for-profit and for-profit, so both of those arenas. Okay. And, um, you know, compliance and the clinical um, aspect is not something new, but is certainly uh, something very, very important that um, healthcare executives, especially in the clinical areas, need to be not only aware of, but uh, to promote in their practice. Exactly. And, and you know, uh, I, sometimes as a compliance officer, I, you know, I kind of... Uh, we get in our world and we sometimes forget why health systems and hospitals exist, right? It's to take care of patients that, that drives and any, any compliance officer or professional listening, don't forget that, you know, this is why these organizations exist. This is why we're there. Compliance is there to help. Uh, and so we're, we're excited to have Isabel's perspective because, uh, you know, as a non, you know, compliance uh, executive, but she worked, I'm sure, and we'll ask some questions here with with and interacted with compliance folks. And so we really would love uh, kind of some of your perspective there. And and really, maybe we start there, uh, Isabel, is, you know, in your years of working as a clinical executive, what was your exposure to an interaction with the compliance department like? Just tell us, you know, you know, honestly and, and, uh, and upfront of what was that like, those interactions? Would they be contacting you? Would you be contacting them? Share a little bit about that, if you don't mind. 
Sure. It started off as um, something that we did as part of our annual education. Okay. And I want to take a pause right there because if this is the first exposure that a clinical person, physician, respiratory therapist, you know, whomever that front line bedside person has to a compliance department or a compliance program, We've already, and you're you're at the O level, the officer level. We've already missed the boat. So yeah. starting <laughs> early, start yeah, starting early and getting that nomenclature um, to the frontline caregivers uh, and having that as part of their practice um, toolkit is sure. is really really important. How it came to me, and again, remember I, I said I was a nurse for now forty years. We didn't. Compliance wasn't something that was formal, um, certainly when I first started out as a a nurse. And then it got to be just something we did, you know, as part of our annual education, whether it was online or classes that we, you know, took uh, from our human resources department. Um, But it was something to do and get rid of and get over instead of something to incorporate into our practice. So it was a bother rather than a help. Exactly. Compliance departments have have really done a great job um, and and officers have done a really great job getting the, hey, we're here to help you message out in recent years. But I would say that is still pretty fresh. Maybe only in the last five to seven years has that been the tenor of the the compliance departments. You know, if if you're contacting me for the first time, um, because something happened or something's wrong, you know, that's yeah. not a relationship builder. So exactly. getting to folks early, starting the, you know, the first day of orientation and talking about, you know, um, compliance programs during the onboarding process is right. very, very important. Um, so, you know, I think maybe someone who has, uh, who is a little newer to their career, um, maybe 20 years or less has had a lot more exposure than I did early, early on. Uh, gotcha. But things have, things have gotten a lot better. It's not just something we do once a year to tick the box. Yeah. And I, you're hitting on some really important things here. It's like there, there's kind of different relationships that compliance professionals have. There's kind of the, the relationships and exposure they should be having with every employee or at least giving some sort of impression, not that they have to have a, a one-on-one sit down with every employee, but they need to be looking at it from the employee's perspective of, you know, why is compliance talking to me? What, you know, what's the purpose of this and giving that exposure. The other thing I'd be interested in if, if, if you have thoughts that, that are any different that we've already shared is as an executive working with, let's say the compliance officer. So um, which is probably also a, a relatively high level position in the organization, how, um, so as opposed to like the, the frontline employee, right? How are those interactions? How have those been, you know, do, is it when they're coming to you? Cause you know, a concern was raised, maybe HIPAA concern or billing or coding or documentation concern. What, what kinds yeah. of times have they reached out to you? Yeah. Uh, you hit the nail on the head. Um, the concerns um, that have, it's almost a retrospective rather than proactive behavior. Gotcha. So again, um, what I would maybe have liked to have seen was a, some more proactive um, initiations of gotcha. relationship um, topics between the clinical person and the compliance 
uh, folks. Um, again, that's getting better, but not still not great. Um, okay. But most of the time, it's still, hey, this happened. Uh, and then there's the, of course, the investigation and the dissection of what happened during that issue. And then is the, you know, what level does this rise to? Is this a reportable issue? Is it not? Right. You know, what is the re-education or education that we have to do in order to make sure that our employees have the tools that they need in order to act compliantly in the clinical setting? Yeah, that's great uh, perspective and insight. And I've worked in my past uh you know, jobs as a compliance officer. One thing I tried to do um, proactively, and I'm interested in hearing if you would say this is even welcomed, because I know clinical executives like yourself are so busy doing all this other work. One thing I, a couple of things I try to do. One is we'd have committees like a compliance committee, and we had an executive compliance committee where we had the executives of the organization participate in that committee maybe once a quarter so that they were hearing kind of what our proactive work was that we were trying to do, as well as the reactive, you get both of those in compliance programs. The second, so a committee, uh, the second thing um, that we would try to do is we would we would try to do um, annual, what we call risk assessments. Um, and in those risk assessments, we'd like to reach out to people in, in, you know, in the operational lines to hear their perspectives, you know, oh, you know, oh, you know, are nurses at risk for, you know, exposing, you know, for HIPAA breaches and, you know, what's the reality on the ground for that type of thing. So one compliance committees and two um, kind of getting executives and others involved in a risk assessment, maybe on an annual basis, would either of those be welcomed? by you know clinical executives like yourself do you just not have time to do that what do you what are your thoughts on that my first thought is i would rather make time up front to have that education as part of uh, my toolkit and the, that of those who report to me then have to learn it on the back end when the stress level of everyone is uh, heightened yeah. because something happened. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, yes, the committee and and having either quarterly or even semi-annual um, committees to not only just do the retrospective analysis of what happened, but to have some education time on the agenda so that the agenda is not 90% Here's how we didn't yeah. do such a great job. Right. And, you know, 10% learning. Um, you know, I wouldn't say 50-50. I think that's a little too altruistic. Gotcha. <laughs> but, gotcha. uh, the, you know, um, the having um, having a agenda that is maybe 60-40 or 70-30, where at least a third of that meeting is uh, proactive and, and educational. And, again, that is the time for the relationships to be yes. built between the compliance officer, the committee members, and where trustful communication happens. Right. Because, I, and, I'll, and I'll tell you, um, I, I thought a, a bit about this as I was uh, preparing for the uh, podcast, and no one goes to work as a clinician thinking, oh, yeah, I don't care. I'm just, you know, gonna exactly. do, do what I need to do. No, no one thinks like that. Everyone That's understands right. what HIPAA is. We understand the importance of what that is to not only our professional life, but how important that is to our patients, the safety of our patients and the well-being of our patients. But there are things that happen in circumstances that uh, happen every day in hospitals and, and other healthcare settings 
where you know we could learn from that where it may be not as cut and dry or black and white as a i went into a record i shouldn't have gone into well there are, there are things that may happen that uh, are a little more gray but uh, could be HIPAA breaches and we need to talk about those so that it gives people at the bedside in in their everyday clinical lives pause and they take that extra step to be careful to ensure patient information safety. Yeah. Yeah. That, that is such great, great perspective. I love that. Um, let me, um, let me ask too, um, you know, you mentioned earlier, the messaging is getting out a little bit more about, you know, compliance programs are here to help. Uh, is that believable? Like <laughs> I've said that to people and they're like, yeah, here, I'm the government. I'm here to help you. And, you know, and um, how do you message that so that it's, it's, it's believable? What are, what are your thoughts on that? Well, um, I, I've, I've thought about that too. Um, having a trustful relationship throughout the organization is certainly going to help the cause. Um, If there is already a tenor of mistrust with executive leadership, um, you know, when the compliance folks have to come in to, you know, investigate or re-educate that while, while it can work, it just is a little more difficult. So having and working toward a trustful, open, transparent, however, whatever you want to call it, relationship with frontline caregivers is going to be the basis for this believability around compliance and, hey, we're here to help. Um, also, having just culture, uh, uh, educational opportunities so they understand, hey, if, if this happens, this is what happens to me on the job so that there is an appropriate level of reaction to whatever is going on, or there's an understanding that, okay, uh, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be in, you know, serious trouble here that I can't recover from. And there are things we all know that there are things that are serious enough where you cannot recover from them on the job. That's not what I'm talking about. Exactly. Every interaction with the compliance officer or with the compliance committee should not be a career ender exactly. panic kind of situation. It, they are truly there to, to help in, in most cases because the gravity of whatever's going on is a teachable moment instead of a career ender. Yeah, that is such a that's a great, great insight. Thank you for sharing that. Um, this might be a good time for us to, to take a short break. And uh, we'll be back in a moment. Thanks for listening to Compliance Conversations. We hope the expert information and discussions are a valuable asset to your compliance career. Healthicity also offers software solutions to help people like you manage their compliance programs. Compliance Manager is a comprehensive, all-in-one, customizable solution that will save you time, stress, and make your compliance program more effective. Head over to healthicity.com for a quick demo video to see how Compliance Manager can bring simplicity to your everyday work. Now back to the show. Okay, welcome back, everybody. Uh, again, we're here with uh, Isabel uh, Garibaldi, who's a uh, nurse executive, um, many, many years and decades of, of experience. And we're chatting about uh, compliance uh, from 
the perspective of, of an executive that, you know, is not the compliance officer. And that is such a valuable uh, perspective for us as compliance professionals to take into account. We need to see things from others' viewpoint instead of from our own. I think it, it's helpful to get out. You know, one thing that I've shared in many past podcasts is get out of your office. Don't sit there and, you know, be sending emails and this and that. Uh, meet with people and build relationships. And so far, I've been hearing from Isabel a lot of that, that how important that is from her executive perspective of don't let the first time that she meets the compliance officer be some investigation, right? <laughs> uh, build those, those trust relationships beforehand. Um, and that takes time and it, and it takes effort and um, it's just not going to happen sitting, sitting in your office. Um, Isabel, you, you mentioned uh, in your introduction that you've worked at other uh, various healthcare organizations. I think you said two uh, nonprofits and two for-profits. Have you seen, uh, that to me is really valuable experience because you've probably seen then four different compliance programs um, or at least some different compliance programs, right? So what have you, any pros and cons of different approaches? Have you seen things that you liked better or worse than others um, that we haven't already covered? No, um, I, I would have to say that they're surprisingly similar. I know that, you know, we we think of the for-profit um, healthcare system and for-profit healthcare systems uh, to be vastly different, but having worked in both, um, I can tell you the uh, strive toward doing the right thing and quality and compliance and patient uh, needs, meeting patient needs, it is really all the same. Um, the rest is is just the tax bracket. So yeah. uh, I, I find them surprisingly um, similar. Uh, I guess maybe not so surprisingly now. Uh, right, right. Yeah, and, but both the non-for-profit and for-profit um, systems have grown tremendously and their uh, compliance programs are much ro more robust. They have gone outside of healthcare uh, to other experts and consulting experts to refine and, and hone what they have. So um, they they understand how important this is and they do translate it well um, yeah. to uh, healthcare executives. Yeah. And, and you know, I, I was mentioning before we started that I do some consulting as well. And, and so I've seen a lot of um, organizations, different cultures, for-profit, not-for-profit. And I can't agree with you more. Um, you know, I just... It, it, they're very similar. I just have not seen, uh, of course, there may be the one-off here and there, but in general, my experience has been that um, both types of organizations, you know, value quality, value doing the right thing. Um, and so I, I have to agree with you full heart, uh, wholeheartedly uh, um, about that. Well, we're all trying to, to meet the same level of responsibility, uh, whether it's HIPAA, or um, value-based purchasing or harms reduction. We're all trying to reach that. It's the same rules, That's uh, right. whether you're for-profit or not-for-profit. So it's not surprising that compliance programs need to be similar yeah, uh, yeah. to meet those, those same rules. Absolutely. Uh, earlier, you mentioned kind of a lot of your exposure and a lot of what we know our frontline workers exposure to compliance programs are basically the training, right? Cause it's something that's usually mandated. Most workers, frontline workers are not involved in investigations and, you know, reporting, of course there's hotlines and they may report occasionally, but they're just not intimately involved in that side of compliance. So they're, 
kind of perception of compliance is probably going to be that training. And I'm interested in your thoughts on um, in-person training versus uh, maybe computer training. When is one right? When is the other right? Um, you know, I, I've worked with doctors before. Uh, this was back before we had a lot of um, uh, online types of training. And I had one surgeon who said, I can't meet with you. I can't be trained on this coding these coding rules. I'm too busy all day. I, I start my surgeries at, at, at 5 a.m. Unless you want to meet with me at four, I'm not meeting with you. I said, okay, I'll meet with you at four. And um, <laughs> so I showed up and met with him at 4 a.m. And um, so, you know, I, I think things have changed a little bit, but do you have thoughts or, or, or uh, perspectives on training methods that you think are good? And, and when is in-person versus online better or worse? So I, th I think there's two levels here. Uh, again, if we're all waiting till people, whether it's physicians or nurses or respiratory therapists, whoever, are in their um, uh, uh, employment arena, we've right. missed the boat. We've already yeah. missed the boat. <laughs> okay. And I don't know about your training, but my training, uh, first of all, I started out in, as, as an associate degree nurse went through bachelor's, master's, and then doctoral programs. And until that um, doctoral uh, program, the compliance piece of this was not emphasized. And I can tell you for sure, at the associate degree level, I didn't even know what the word compliance in this arena meant. Um, right. So you know, having that as part of, even if it's a a one-off lecture, uh, part of that curriculum is so very, very important. Um, and what, whether you're a physician or not, um, it, it really is something that should be foundational to your practice because it touches what you do every day because you have to act in a compliant manner in order to treat your patients. Right. And, uh, you know, same thing with, with nursing. And as a healthcare executive, the ability to really integrate that into our daily work life, again, can't start when they give me the CNO title. That has to yeah. start uh, earlier on. Now, you asked about online or lectures, you know, all of that should be part of whatever compliance program your entity have decided to construct. There is a piece where you just need some foundational um, knowledge and online, you know, uh, education is just fine. Uh, get the basics and right. have time to move through the, the slide deck back and forth and really understand what's, what's going on. Then there's a time to ask questions. And yeah. you said something about getting out of your office earlier. Um, I would encourage that informal uh, type of communication, the one-off dialogues, the chance to ask questions, not just in a classroom format, but on a one-to-one -one basis. We all know that there's sometimes a, a, a little bit of hesitancy to raise yes. your hand in class because you don't want to ask the dumb question. Um, but you may ask someone, uh, you know, on a one-to-one -one type of situation. So as nurse executives, medical executives have had to get out of their office so they weren't that administrator in the office pontificating to the rest of us, <laughs> you know, that kind of situation. That exactly. holds true. Yeah, that holds true for the compliance folks as well. Um, right. The I already know your face, have a relationship with you. You weren't scary when I talked to you. So now I feel free to ask questions and be uh, very forthcoming with, with information. 
Um, that's really, really important. And if you want to get there, that's how to get there. Yeah, I agree. And it's it's kind of, there's no quick way to do it. And and this is really just true with any relationship, right? It's, it's built over time. Uh, people have to see your response. So when you ask a question, do they scoff and be like, how long you've been in healthcare? You should know that by now, right? Or is it, oh, great question. And um, let me try to find the answer if I don't know, or here is the answer. Um, you know, it, it, when, I, when I was a leader in, in healthcare compliance, I always said, look, they, everyone in this organization is our customer. They don't bow down to us. We serve them. And so get to know them. What, what is their day like? What, you know, what, how are they, um, you know, what do they do day to day? Because they don't do compliance day to day, right? They're doing all the important things in, in patient care. And, and we just, we just get a little bit of sliver to, to kind of communicate and you kind of have to have your elevator version um, of, you know, these are the most important things. One thing that I always focused on was not having them drink from the fire hose that first day of work. Right. <laughs> um, and I'd be, be like, you know, don't read them all these laws and this and that. The one thing that I wanted them to take away was how they can reach to me when they have a question. Because remember all this stuff, you know, a year from now, but they need to know and understand that there is a compliance program. They're there to help answer questions. And if you have concerns, uh, maybe you're seeing something that's non-compliant or potentially, you, you might not know the whole story. You're just seeing the tip of the iceberg. But, you know, in a speak up culture, you should feel comfortable in reaching out to somebody, um, even if, you know, like there's some hesitancy because it's, you know, a supervisor or coworker and, you know, can you reach out anonymously? You just want the right thing done. You're not trying to get people in trouble. Um, and that was like one of the main messages that I always wanted to get across um, was kind of that hotline or communication channel, if you yes, will. Yes, I, I would wholeheartedly agree. Um, one suggestion uh, I do have, and this was done by one of the not-for-profits that I worked uh, with, they did an annual survey, because remember, there's turnover, especially yes. in nursing, lots yes. of turnover. So they did an annual survey of people's compliance knowledge, and it was just 10 questions. I can't even tell you what the questions were, because I, I don't remember that far back, but right. I remember the survey, because the uh, compliance chief compliance officer wanted to level set where they were every year. And then that was part of the facility strategic plan. I thought that was very forward thinking. Yes. That's, oh, that's such great insight. Thank you for sharing that. That's the kind of stuff that, um, you know, I, I really am appreciating hearing from you because you, you know, you have this unique perspective and, and as compliance professionals, we need to hear, um, you know, from others outside of outside of our bubble, right? And and how can we make it better? So thank right. you. Yeah. If, if you're you. if you're not yeah. on the strategic plan, you should be. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Um, that that's just great advice. Uh, let me ask you too about um, kind of this concept of speak up culture. I occasionally I lecture in a, a master's degree program uh, at my alma mater, the medical school where I went. Um, in it's it's a patient safety leadership master's degree program and we have a lot of nurses in there we have physicians pharmacists um, working on a master's towards patient safety leadership and we often talk about this speak up culture and making it safe what are your thoughts on on developing that kind of culture i know we need to do it like for patient safety right and for quality improvement but i think it goes hand in hand with 
I, I think it's pretty rare to feel safe to speak up for patient safety, but then you don't feel safe for speaking up on a potential compliance issue. Like to me, it's like the culture is either safe or not safe or it's developing. Any thoughts on that? I'm sure you've seen that over the years. I have. Um, and again, I'm, I'm at the risk of repeating myself. I'm going to go back to what I said about relationships. If, if, all of a sudden, you know, you we're putting this program together that's a wonderful compliance program and, and you know, it's got great elements, but the foundation of relationship between staff, the compliance department, and executive leadership is not great. You know, I think, again, you, you've got another hill to climb, if not a mountain, before true speak up true transparency and a true compliance conversations are actually had. Yeah, I agree with you. You know, I've seen programs that are like, look great on paper. When I do consulting, I go in and I will like assess a compliance program with a fresh set of eyes, right? Somebody from outside the organization. And a lot of people are so proud. Oh, look, all our policies, all our paper and look at all this stuff. And then I do, I just ask frontline employees, you know, how they feel about the culture. <laughs> so I just ask a few or I'll, or we'll do a little survey and it's like a totally different story. Right. And so I love what you shared because it's like, no matter how many, you know, elements and pieces of the program you have in place, if there's not that underlying culture and, um, uh, your best resource for this, I'll, I'll be, uh, transparent <laughs> with you is when you when you go into an organization is to ask to see their uh, on their employee engagement uh, and employee satisfaction yes. um, um, scores that they the, the survey that they take at least every one to two years depending on the organization uh, ask what those latest scores were and where they not just compared to like organizations within their organ their structure, but uh, nationally, and that will give you a very good idea about what you're starting out with and the hurdles that you have to overcome. Uh, that that's great advice because it's a, it's a practical thing to do. Um, and if they say, well, we don't have one, well, that tells you something too, <laughs> right? Yes, sir. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. If, if they're not surveying their folks and we're talking about a compliance program, we have a very shaky foundation to begin with. Yeah. Well, Isabel, we're, we're getting towards the end of our time. It has been such a pleasure talking to you. I, I want to give you a moment. If you have any, you know, last minute thoughts, you know, um, you know, here's, you get the stage, you get to tell us compliance professionals, how can we do better? Um, you know, what do you appreciate about it or, or anything? If you, if you have any last minute thoughts, we would, we'd love to hear uh, some of your last comments here. I, I appreciate the interaction with that particular officer and the, the department. And, and again, when it can be uh, in a proactive situation rather than a reactive situation, it, it's always uh, a little more meaningful. It also helps uh, the nurse executive, the physician executive understand what information you will need when things do happen. So there can be that level of efficiency, but that um, also that level of um, transparency um, in order to make sure that when something does happen that we're both on the same page and presenting a united front uh, yeah. that is very very important is to not have a tenor of working against each other but certainly working with each other 
as a healthcare industry, things have gotten a lot better. So, uh, you know, applause on both ends. And I look forward to, um, you know, that even getting better than it is right now. Yeah. Well, Isabel, thank you so much, first of all, for your years of experience and, and then your willingness to share your expertise and your perspectives. It's so, it's so valuable to me personally and, and I think to our listeners. So thank you so much for joining us today. Well, thank you. And, and you're welcome. Well, everybody, um, thank you for listening to another episode of Compliance Conversations. Again, we encourage you to subscribe so you don't miss uh, future episodes. And please share this among your friends. And, and you know, you can also comment and, and give us ideas if there's topics that you'd like to hear about or, or if there's guests that you think we should be interviewing. Uh, please, please share that, share that with us. Thanks, everybody. Have a great day. Compliance Conversations is sponsored by Healthicity. Healthicity designs software and services that simplify compliance and auditing challenges that reduce your risk and save you money. Where others see complexity, we see simplicity. For more information, visit healthicity.com.